This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. I wasn't exactly sure what to expect from that segment. Uh, that was very cool, though, learning about the, uh, the yeah. trophy. And again, we'll have it in uh, the News Channel 9 studio tonight, and it'll be with us during our half-hour show from 7 to 7.30 as we get you set for Syracuse and Clemson. A lot of good stuff on the show tonight. Um, I happened to, to catch up with Tim Green's son, Troy Green, uh, this week in Skinny Atlas. Uh, Tim and his family very much looking forward to the Jersey retirement tomorrow. Uh, so we'll have a story on that in the special that, uh, that I hope you check out. Uh, we sat down with Eric Dungy earlier in the week. Um, if anybody knows how to beat Clemson, it's it's Eric Dungy. Um, so we'll we'll get his thoughts on on what Syracuse needs to do to to take on the Tigers and potentially take down the Tigers. And we'll be joined uh, live by Floyd Little, who uh, will be at the the Brewfest tonight uh, at uh, Destiny USA. So uh, a lot to get to from seven to seven thirty. I do want to get back to something that that we discussed yesterday, Seth, um, and that's in regards to the tempo. And I know you know we had a, a few callers. Uh, discussing how it seems like Syracuse is going slower this year. Um, and I think that that's, again, to be expected with a, a brand-new starting quarterback and, and a new offensive line that's not used to playing together. Um, you're not going to see them go at warp speed uh, right away. I think they're going to have to build up to that, much like Eric Dungy built up to you know, being comfortable in this offense where he's not thinking, he's just reacting, and he's just playing. And, and, and it, it worked so fluidly last year. But again, that was his, his third year run in the system. This is Tommy DeVito's first as the starter. So I think it's it's understandable maybe that things aren't going as fast as, as maybe you're used to seeing. My point on this game is I'm not sure Syracuse wants to go fast. In this game? In this particular game. And I go back to, to 27, and the, the stat that jumps out to me from that night was time of possession. Syracuse had essentially 10 more minutes of possession time than Clemson. They had about 35 minutes of possession time. It was just a shade under that. It was like 34-52. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but it was essentially 35 minutes to 25 minutes. Um, and we're not used to seeing that out of a Dino Babers team. You, you know, you're used to seeing them score quickly. We all remember how the game ended. Right, Syracuse went Long on that, that six-minute, ten-second drive to bleed the clock. Eric Dungy picks up the first down by inches. You know they move the chains, they kneel down. The game is over. Um, they did it with ball control that night. Clemson, you know Kelly Bryant got knocked out of the game. Clemson was two for eleven on third down. Clemson could not stay on the field. They couldn't extend drive. Syracuse had twelve more first downs that night. They they had twenty-eight first downs to sixteen. Clemson couldn't hang on to the ball, and and Syracuse instead of doing those quick, you know, two minute drives, two and a half minute drives, and and scoring, um, they were able to put together long sustained drives, and it, it would end in points, and 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 that's what stuck stuck with me from that game is that it wasn't the typical, you know, fast, 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 and, and I think you got to be smart against this particular opponent. You know, Clemson is so good; they've got. You know, if, if he were able to come out this year, the, the number one pick in the draft. He would have been the number one pick last year. Right, and he's going to be the number one pick in two years. And you've got Travis Etienne, who is a first-round running back. Sure. You've got several first-round receivers on that team, an offensive line that is experienced. This is an NFL offense. Like, it is. This is an NFL offense. It's not an NFL-style offense. The, the personnel on this this offense are NFL players already. And so I think that Syracuse, in my opinion, would be wise 
to maybe, I don't want to say take the foot off the gas because that makes it sound like you're not being aggressive, but I don't think you want to go warp speed in this game, in my opinion. No, and I, I understand what you're saying, and, and I pulled up the 2017 game, and they, they had 35 minutes of of time of possession. Yeah, 35-25. So, yeah, yeah. So, so they were you know right right at that mark, like you said. And you know I, I get what you're saying, uh, but you would have liked to see it in the first two games of the year, and we didn't. You know, you would have liked to see them moving at a faster pace the first two games of the year, and, and they just didn't seem to be there uh, quite yet. I think that the thing that is really important, though, even if you're not going to snap the ball fast, I still think that you've got to get to the line of scrimmage fast. You know, because that that takes out certain things uh, that the opponent can do, whether it's Clemson or anybody, right? You don't have to snap the ball when there are 27 seconds left on the play clock. Like, you don't have to go 10 seconds between game plays and, you know, end of play, start of play. I'm not saying that, but I think that you have to get to the line really quickly because then it stops the other team from putting in a substitute. Or if they want to try, you can get them with 12 men on the field. Like, that aspect of it is still really important to me. So, you can still get to the line really quickly, and then you can burn some clock. And then you can you know, right? You can you can then once you're at the line, say, you know what? Let's let's hold off on calling this play until there are 15 seconds on the play clock, whatever it might be. But you can run clock while still moving quickly. And maybe you mix it up. Maybe you on a you know you pick up eight or nine yards on a first down. Maybe you do run up to the line on second and one or second and two, and then you know try to snap it as quickly as possible. Try to catch him off guard. Maybe come up with a big play. You know because it's second or one, second and two. If it, if it's an incomplete pass, you, you feel pretty good about your chances on third down. Maybe you, maybe you pick your spots and do it. Um, because there is benefit, especially as hot as it's probably going to be in there tomorrow night. And you've got 50,000 people or 49,000 people. It's going to be hot in there. We know oh, that. Sure. That building is always hot. Um, so, I, I, you know, there is benefit to trying to to get Clemson tired. Um, but that's a very deep defense. Oh. And and I, I don't know as if you're going to be able to wear them down. I think you're, you're better served trying to shorten the game and trying to keep that NFL offense off the field as much as possible. Now, Steve, you, you know you mentioned the 2017 game, and we all remember the last drive of the game, right, where they went 6 minutes and 10 seconds, 12 plays. They only picked up 24 yards right. in 6 minutes and 10 it seconds. It doesn't seem possible. Um, it, it really doesn't. But here's one that maybe we don't remember, and, and we don't, or we don't remember how quickly it happened, and that is the first drive of the game. When they when they went and they went right they down had the field two long and they scores, scored yes. and they scored a touchdown. The second but, second but possession the first, was pretty quick too, wasn't but it? But the first the first scoring drive was a ten play three minute drive. Right, like that is a long fast drive. How right? about that the is, how about the second touchdown drive? That was pretty quick too, right? Because it was a, wasn't it a long pass? Second one was a two play eighty yard drive. Right. Okay. Sixty six yards to to Irv. But yeah, but you know, I focus on that first one because you got ten plays off. You know, yeah, the Dante Strickland screen pass went for you know. Uh, for what, 23 yards, but it's not like he was scoring from 80 yards out and you went 80 yards in, in 35 seconds. Um, you know, that they they put together, and, and to your point, they varied the tempo in that game, and, and maybe that is what you really need to look for. Not just, hey, come out and bleed some clock, come out and keep the ball out of Clemson's hands, but, you know, know when to throttle it, right? Know, know when to hit it into the high gear and, and go ahead and, and really go fast. Um, and maybe they've got that ability, but I, I just I don't know that we've seen that yet from them. Yeah, and li- listen, they're going to have to score points to win this game. They're not winning this game 24-21. Or, or 20, I don't think 27 is going to be enough. It's been enough the last two years, right? I mean, it was 27-23 last year, 27-24 the year before yep. when Syracuse won it. So first one to 27 is one. I, I don't think 27 is enough. 
Uh, not against this opponent, not against this offense. Uh, I think Syracuse is going to have to score at least in the 30s, and that's concerning because you didn't score in the 30s against Liberty or Maryland. Are you going to score in the 30s against Clemson? Um, that that's that's a major concern. So while everybody's looking at the defense, saying, "Man, defense looked awful against Maryland," um, you know, I think offense there, hasn't. I think there's some concerns on the offensive side of the, the ball as well. Yeah, you know, the offense still hasn't looked great, and you know, I think that that was kind of the takeaway that we had from Week One against Liberty, right? The offense didn't look up to par, didn't look like um, what it should look like against a team like Liberty, and then you know, you're you're bounced back at it with. Oh, they don't really look like the you know they they don't look like what they're we're used to out of this team uh, when they go and they face Clemson. So I think that you still ask uh, a lot of the same questions. I think that you still ask a lot of the same questions about this offense. And oh, by the way, now they head into uh, you know a game against one of the best defenses in the country. Yes, replacing a lot of guys, but you know Clemson reloads, not rebuilds, right? How many how many times do we have to say that this week? They're still incredibly talented up front. They've still got a lot of players. Um, and oh, by the way, that secondary that played last year is essentially all back. I, I know we we all kind of believe that this is going to be a, a lopsided Clemson win, um, but in terms of putting together the the blueprint or the map for Syracuse keeping this game close, I do think. You know, varying up the tempo is going to be important, and and trying to put together long, sustained drives and keeping that Clemson offense off the field. And even if you bleed five minutes off the clock and you go forty-five yards and you don't get any points out of it, obviously you want to get points. But that's that's going to help. Like long drives like that will help shorten the game, and and it will give you a better chance than if you know you're you're going three and out and, and Clemson's running around, you know, running downfield and scoring. I think. You know the the slowing down Travis Etienne um, is going to be absolutely critical, and we we talked about that earlier in the week. You know Trevor Lawrence saying pick your poison with this team. Um, I think you pick the Trevor Lawrence poison in this game, and you you do your best to stop Etienne or slow him down like A and M did. And even though Trevor Lawrence is more than capable of picking you apart, I think you have to hope that your deep, talented, fast secondary can make enough plays, enough plays to get them out of a little bit of a rhythm or make a big stop on a third down or come up with an interception, some sort of game-changing play. I think you have to hope for that because if you let Travis Etienne have room to run, he is going to carve you up. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that against Syracuse two years in a row now. He's run for nearly 300 yards in the two games against Syracuse, and he only got, what, uh, five, five carries, carries in, the first uh, one. in the first one two years ago? Uh, so, you know, we've seen what Travis Etienne can do to let alone anybody Syracuse you know you this team has seen it up close and personal um you know what what he is capable of and so I think that you know we talked about this earlier in the week Steve but when you look at their two biggest weapons ETN and Lawrence um I'm I'm let I'm not letting Lawrence go to work but I'm I'm more willing to let Lawrence go to work given what we've seen these first two games than I am to let Travis Etienne go to work. I'd I'd rather stop that guy because again, based on what you did last week, a lot of what happened to you last week uh in the passing game came off of the running game. So try and find a way to slow that down, try and find a way to 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 not completely take play action out of it, but you know at least kind of take play action out of it, and you're you're already a step ahead of where you were last week. You want to try and exploit your opponent's weakness, and we've already established that the Clemson offense does not have a weakness. So in lieu of a weakness, I think you try to play to your strength, and your strength is the pass rush and the secondary. The strength is not stopping the run, and it's not the linebacking unit. And so if you can 
Again, concentrate on stopping the run or containing the run, slowing down the run, whatever phrase you want to use. Um, and that's you know that may mean bringing your safeties in to help out and, and leaving your cornerbacks on an island to some degree, but I think that is the chance you have to take in this game. You have to play to your strengths. Your strengths are putting pressure on the quarterback and your secondary play on defense. And I think that you have to, you know, it is strength against strength. You know, Lawrence is obviously a strength at an offense. They don't have any weaknesses. You have to hope that your strength is enough to, to keep you in the game. And, you know, Maryland going eight for eight in red zone opportunities, like that is unacceptable. The fact that they had eight opportunities to begin with is unacceptable. The fact they went eight for eight is, is a, a, a troubling sign. Yeah, I mean that uh, that's that's not acceptable. Their their third down efficiency w- was unacceptable. Uh, there's a lot that the defense has to fix, and they get a stiffer test this this week than than they did last week. All right, three one five four three seven seventy six forty four is the number if you'd like to get involved. That's a wrap on hour number one. We'll take a break. We'll kick off hour number two right after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth, back with you on a Friday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Pick and Pull of Auburn. As we go to the phone lines, Pat in Syracuse up next on the show. Hey, Pat. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. So a point I'd like to bring up is uh, in terms of the offense coming along this year, uh, if you look at the Liberty game, they went 176 passing yards, and, and uh, DeVito threw two TDs in that game. Then uh, fast-forwarding to the following week against a way better opponent, uh, DeVito passed for uh, 330 uh, passing yards and three or, and three TDs uh, and one interception, and he went 28 for 39 in terms of his passing. The only reason I feel like the running game was like not relevant in that game was because they were coming from behind, and as uh, uh, Dino alluded to in the post-game conference that uh, they had to pass the ball to stop the clock and stuff. And uh, that offense is a lot better than people are going to expect it to. And I think that uh, defense, I would still take our defense over some of the top 10 teams in the country. Um, you still got you still got Andre Cisco. You still got Trill Williams. You still got Evan hard-hitting Evan Foster. You still have a lot of playmakers on that defense. And growing up when I played sports, you just – when you get hit in the mouth like that, it just it bothers you. It makes you angry to get beat like that. And those guys are going to take that loss against Maryland very, very personal. And they're going to come out with some anger. And they're going to and, and a lot of intensity in this game against Clemson. And if they if they can keep the game close, it's a it's a it's a Saturday night game. Weird things happen at night. Yeah. No, I, you're right, and I I tend to agree with you, Pat. And I appreciate you making the call. Um, it, Generally, two things happen after a bad, devastating loss like that, right? It's either there's either a hangover effect, or you come out as Pat suggested, and you 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 take it personally. You look yourself in the mirror, whatever cliche you want to use, and you come out with fire and you try to redeem yourself and you play better. Um, I tend to think it's going to be the latter. I tend to agree with Pat on this one in terms of I think Syracuse is going to play a lot better, and they are going to play with fire. If this was the Holy Cross game then I would worry about a hangover. Or if this was Western Michigan, I would worry about a hangover. Yeah. I'm not really worried about a hangover with the, the number one team in the country coming to town. You think they know what's going to happen? Is, yeah. is your point? I think you, it's think, e- you think they know I, who they're playing well, and they're I, not going to be you know hungover for that? I do think it's easier to turn the page when this is the opponent. I'm not saying, like, 
I'm not saying there's ever a good time to play Clemson. Like, Clemson is awesome. We know that, okay? Of they, course. They, they're the best team in the country. They're the odds-on favorites to win the national title. But I, I do think that there is, a, there is a benefit to the Orange to playing them this week because I think you are able to put the Maryland loss behind you quicker because you know what's coming up next. Whereas if, if this was Holy Cross or Western Michigan, I think there would be that danger of one loss turns into two. If they lose tomorrow, it's it not going to be because there was a hangover. It's going to be because Clemson is awesome. Right. And to, to your point, uh, essentially what you're saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if this game were Holy Cross, uh, the Maryland loss would have lingered longer because all of a sudden you're saying, man, we don't really have anything to get up for. And, right, and because yes. because you can because for lack of a better term, and this is going to sound really bad and really, really disrespectful, you can roll out of bed and beat Holy Cross. Well, you know, again, you, and I don't, I'm not even sure it's a conscious thing. I think it's just subconsciously. I think it's just human nature that it, it would be hard to get up for that game coming off of the the performance you just had. Right, it was such a deflating game for a lot of reasons. But the fact that it's the number one ranked team in the country, national TV, you know, all that. Uh, conference opener, home opener. I, I I think you turn the page quicker if you're if you're Syracuse than you would have otherwise. Even if this was like sure. Pitt or BC, you know, and those are you know those are ACC games. Those are those are games you have to play well to win. But they're not Clemson. They're not number they're not one Clemson. in the country. And and I think that you're you're able to put that one out of your mind quicker because of of what is in front of you. Yeah, I agree. Um, circling back to something Pat said uh, that I, I think is interesting and, and it's worth exploring. Um, Tommy DeVito's stats in the Maryland game. What, what do we do with those? Because clearly they were significantly better than what he put up against Liberty. Clearly he looked significantly better than he did against Liberty. I mean, he some of the throws he made, some of the decisions he made, once you get past that interception that happened early in the game, um, he looked a lot better. It was also a lot of it when you were chasing. Uh, a lot of it when you were put in obvious throw situations. When, you know, Maryland maybe didn't want to, ju- just didn't want to give up the big play. Um, like, well, what do we make of those numbers? What, what do we do with them as we look through the season? How, how much of it is fair to go ahead and, and today on September 13th say, oh, well, Tommy DeVito's turned the corner? Like, how much of that is fair? I don't know if you could say that he's turned the corner because of the stats. I, I think stats can be deceiving. We know stats can be deceiving. I don't think Tommy DeVito was as bad, quote, not that he was bad, but he didn't play as poorly as everybody made it out to be in that first game against Liberty because of the game plan. And, the, you know, they, they were able to run the ball and the defense played well and so on and so forth. So I don't think he played as poorly as everybody made him out to, to play in that first game. I don't think he played as well in the second game as everybody made him out to because of what happened in the first quarter. So I think it's the eye test. He did a lot of really good things in quarters two through four. Regardless of the fact that they were coming from behind, his decision-making was better, his throws were better, Obviously, his numbers were better. Um, so, you know, can you definitively say he turned the corner? I mean, they were down, you know, they lost the game by 43 points. I don't exactly. think you can say he turned the corner. Um, but stats aside, he looked a lot better. Like, he, he looked a lot more comfortable. Um, and I do think there's something to be said for starting the way he started and then being able to, in the course of that game, picking himself off the mat and getting things back on track. Now, obviously, it wasn't enough, and, and the defense didn't help him out. Um, but personally, and then with the you know with the offense, um, he was able to get himself back on track. He was able to get the offense back on track, and I think that's a really good sign. So did he turn the corner? I don't think we can say that. Did he take a step forward? 
I think absolutely. I think he took a step forward. Yeah, I do too. I th- I think that you know that was clearly a better game than he played against. Uh, clearly a better game than he played uh, against Liberty. It, 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 there was a lot of reasons that you can look and say that. Uh, you know, he threw the ball better. He uh, seemed like he was more confident. Uh, he he seemed to make better decisions after the interception, and maybe even including the interception. Right. I mean, if if he thought that the receiver was going to stay on the field, as Stephen Bailey told us earlier in the week, and all of a sudden the receiver steps out of bounds, maybe that wasn't a terrible decision to have thrown that ball before the receiver went out of bounds. Um, You know, so I I think that the decision making was better. I think the throws were better. Um, Does that mean that he is what is expected of him for the rest of the year? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, But I think he's better. And to your point, the stats are a little deceiving. That's why I wanted to bring it up because you look at it and you're like, oh, he threw for 330 yards. He threw a couple touchdowns, you know, and and he only threw that one pick. You know, maybe it's all, you know, maybe he's what is expected of him. And I I don't know that that narrative is fair either. He's got to learn. And as Dino said during the preseason, he's got to go through a lot of firsts, right? He's got to go through his first start on the road. He's got to go through his first start at home. He's got to go through his first start against a ranked opponent. He's got to, you know, have his first bad game and have to bounce back from that. And, you know, as a starter and in all that. And, And I think you saw in the first quarter against Maryland, you know, he had to go through scrambling out of the pocket, getting it knocked away from behind. Don't you think next time he scrambles, he's going to remember that Maryland game and be like, you know what, i got to protect the ball. Somebody might be coming from behind to slap it away. Or the interception that he threw along the sidelines. Um, you know, i got to be smarter with that. I, I was out of the pocket. i got to throw that one away instead of trying to force one into a receiver. And you're right, the receiver stepped out of bounds, so maybe it's not completely his fault. I, I don't think that that was the, the best decision in the world, though, to try to force it in there. So sure. maybe, you know, I'm out of the pocket. All right, I'm throwing this one away. I don't, I don't want to make a turnover. So... I think that, again, this is all part of the learning process. This is why there is a learning curve when you become the starting quarterback um, because you're going to face situations or things are going to happen to you that have yet to happen to you in a collegiate game. So, yeah, I think he took a step forward. Um, I, I think you could be excited about 330 yards passing and three touchdowns, and he, he looked a lot better. I, I think it's too early, though, to, to say he turned the corner. I think you have to see you know consistent play over 60 minutes, game in and game out, before you – you know, can can deem him having turned the corner. I agree. All right, three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We're going to take a timeout. We're back with today's business right after this on ESPN Radio. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. As we welcome in our producer Tommy Hogan with today's business. What do you have for us, Tommy? So I'm gonna. I'm going to do a little something different today. You guys have been talking all week about the keys for Syracuse, what they have to do to even just make it a game, let alone win. But I want to I want to know specific numbers on what Syracuse has to do in order to beat Clemson. We'll start off first with Syracuse needs to have over blank sacks to win. This was Dwight Freeney's, one of his keys to the game was to get pressure on Trevor Lawrence. So what is that number in your mind that for Syracuse to win, they have to sack Trevor Lawrence how many times? Well, the number better not be that high because they're not going to get to him very often. Um, I believe, am I right in saying the year that they won in 2017, I think they had only four sacks in that game. I also think that this is a, like, I don't don't know that they necessarily need sacks. Pressure. They need to to force him into mistakes. They need to pressure Trevor Lawrence. I don't know that they necessarily need to sack Trevor Lawrence. I think think that they've just got to get there and hit him a couple of times. Yeah. So we're vetoing your question, but I was four sacks. There's always attacking my wording. It was four sacks. I'll say three. 
Three is your number? Just, just to give you an answer. Okay. But I, I don't love yeah. the well, three is, uh, Sex go, is obviously the, the number that you record and look at most when it comes to pressures. But you're yeah, right. I pressure mean, is... I'll go in that same area. I'll, I'll say... Um, I don't know. I'll say, I'll say five... I'll say five. I mean, I think I think that it means that they're getting consistent pressure, right? right. Like, well, what's a good number that shows that they are getting consistent pressure on Trevor Lawrence, consistently knocking him down, consistently hitting him after he throws the ball? Like that. That's more of what I'll look for than oh, Alton Robinson actually racked up two and a half sacks I, in this game. I, I will say this: I, they're going to need, in my opinion, they're going to need to make a game-changing play on defense. They're going to need a pick six or a fumble at the Strip sack. 15 yard line right. or you know like down at Memorial Stadium when you know Clemson muffed the punt and it's you know first and goal at the 10 give themselves a short field um they need something like that to happen uh they need a, a game changing play how about Syracuse needs to hold Trevor or Travis Etienne to under blank rushing yards to win you guys talked all week do you want this is Syracuse defense should they focus on Etienne or Lawrence Lawrence is going to be my next question, but we'll start off with what's that number for Travis Etienne? I'll say. Um, I'll I mean, s- there's an absurd number to throw out, right? Two hundred is that? What I mean, saying? like you could say like one fifty. Yeah, I was going to say like one twenty because he's going to have he's going to have some big games gains. You would think. Um, I mean, again, freshman year in the dome, he he had a long touchdown run essentially from midfield, and he only carried the ball five times. Uh, and he went for over 200 yards last year. Can you win the game if he gets over 100 yards rushing? I think. I think it, you can. I think it's possible. I'll say 120. Yeah, I'll say I'll I'll say like 150, but in that range where you're you're he's having a nice game, but he's not going for 200 like he did last year or like he did you know in in the game against Georgia Tech at the beginning of the season. So we'll go to the other side of the argument with Trevor Lawrence. What is the number that Syracuse has to hold him under in terms of passing yards? I think if you hold him, so let's say you hold him to 300 and you hold uh, ETN to, to 120, I think you give yourself a fighter's chance. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I, I was going to probably say 250, 270. You know, if you keep him in that area, um, you you like your chance. I won't say you like your chance. I mean, Jameis Winston you had yourself- essentially 300 yards passing last night. And it, right. was, it, it went right down to the wire. <laughs> exactly. Um, I and, wouldn't say I wouldn't say you like your chances, but you give yourself a chance if you hold him to somewhere in the two fifty two seventy range. So you guys, so that's adding up. If you're picking two seventy, Seth, you, it's in the four like four twenty yeah. is right where you guys are at uh, in terms that's of where both combined of us are, yards, total yardage. Right. Yeah. Uh, so now we'll go to the Syracuse side of things. Tommy DeVito needs to throw for over blank yards to win. See, here's the here's the other aspect of this, and it's a game that we mentioned, I think, earlier this week. Um, Syracuse once picked up 600 yards of offense in a game, and it didn't matter, right? Like it it legitimately didn't matter because they kept shooting themselves in the foot. So, uh, sure, Trevor Lawrence could throw for 400 yards, and Travis Etienne could run for 150 yards, um, and they could also fumble twice and throw two interceptions and. All of a sudden, they're picking up all this yardage, and they're going the length of the field every single time, and then they're getting stopped, and they stall out, and they have to kick field goals, and like the same could happen for Syracuse's offense. I mean, you're like I, I get the I get the gist of it. Like yards typically lead to points, um, but I don't know. Like I'm I'm not sure. And when you're playing a defense that's as good as Clemson's, um, they typically tend to clamp down at the end. So even if Tommy DeVito does throw for a bunch of yards, you might end up with field goals and. Um, you know, more importantly, field goals aren't going to win the game. You know, more importantly than how many yards you throw for it, you're not going to win if you aren't converting your opportunities into touchdowns. And and so, 
Um, like I kind of struggle. Like I, I don't know what the number is for Tommy to beat. I don't I'm think not, Seth I'm not likes sure. your game. I don't think Seth likes. I your mean, game. you guys, you not guys a big are fan of this one, of course, overthinking it. And not like if he throws for 300 yards, Syracuse or whatever that number would be, Syracuse would so, be in the game. They'd be giving a chance. No, to win. there is absolutely a number for this. I know, I know. Um, I'm, I'm just giving you a hard time. I think the number's 300. I think that they're going to have to score a lot of points to win this game. This isn't a case where they can, you know, win a defensive battle. They're not. I mean, as good as as good as good Clemson is on offense, the Tigers are going to score a lot of points. I think this game's going to be played in at least the 30. So, um, yeah, I think theoretically, I think, I think DeVito's going to have to have a big game. I think they're going to have to have a few big plays. Um, so I'll say 300. That's probably the number I was leaning towards too. Uh, he's he's got to throw for at least three hundred yards. I, I think. I mean, if if you're looking yardage total, I think that's the number. All right, so we'll go to the other side of the or, and the other part of the offensive attack. The big three SU running backs, and I, I have a name proposal for this big three as well. We have to come up with a nickname for him. My nickname is Orange Jam. <laughs> J A M Jarvion Abdul Mo. Orange Jam. We'll move on from that. We'll stick with that. You guys can think about that during the break. Let that simmer. I'll save my, I'll let save that my simmer. snark for off Sure, exactly. Uh, so the big three SU running backs. Pole. Which one do you like better, the Ozone or Orange Jam? <laughs> orange Jam's way better. Way better. It shouldn't even be in the conversation. I'm insulted that you're putting <laughs> that it in the conversation. That should be 100%. Let our listeners decide. I'm insulted that that's in the conversation together. should make a poll. That's uh, not a question. They need to combine for over how many rushing yards to win this game. Should we throw? Should should it be right around the same number that Syracuse has to keep ETN under? I mean, I I think that Syracuse. We talked about this earlier. We talked when we talked about the game. We talked about how they're going to have to control time of possession, and uh, the running game is really important in that. I, I, they're going to have to be able to run the ball. Can Syracuse's offense combine for the same amount of yards that ETN and Lawrence did, and still be in the game? You think? Yeah. Well, again, I think that, that's yeah. Th- this is you the do? part okay. where to me it comes down to in order to pull off an upset of this magnitude. You're going to need some things to happen, like a big punt return or a pick six or a. So yes, I think you can, okay. and I, and I don't know as if it's realistic to think that SU is going to outgain Clemson. So yeah, I think they need to be about the same yardage, and I think that you need some breaks to go your way. I mean, you're a four touchdown underdog. You need some breaks in this game. How about the Syracuse offense line? It's been a question now these first. I, I put me down for a hundred. I'm playing the game. Go hundred. Put I'll me go, down for hundred. No, I, I'm playing the game. I'll I'll go one. Uh, one thirty. Critical. Though. I'll go one thirty. I have been critical, but I'm still playing. Okay, fine. I'll fine. go one thirty. The Syracuse offense line. They need to give up under how many sacks to win? This has got to be a low number um, because you're going to need to score points to win, and the more sacks means you're Breaking you're news. talking. Well, no, I mean, you're talking no, second and 17 instead of second and five. You guys have been gonna, chirping me all, all game, so now I'm, I'm, I'm chirping back. I'm talking this. I'm buying myself some time. I'm sitting in the pocket buying myself some time to figure this out. Okay. I'm talking it through because this is the first I'm seeing these questions. So get off my I back, did, I did throw you guys off um, guard a little bit with this one. I'm going to say the, the number's got to be low. I'll say two. So they got sacked four times in the, in the game against Maryland, um, and you saw what the offense did. And that's with Eric Dungy being able to scramble out of the pocket. No, 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 no. I'm talking about last week. Okay, I thought you meant four, last Clemson. No, no, no. Sorry. Four times in the game against Maryland last week. It puts so, you behind the chains. It, it, it leads to punts. It leads right. to mistakes. You you can't have a lot of sacks in this game. 
I'm attempting to pull up. I'm trying to stall so that my computer will load. And I'll, there we go. Uh, and I can pull up how many times they got sacked in the in the Liberty game. And it was two. Um, I think that the number has to be right around in in that range again. I'll go right between them. I'll say three. I think that you've you've got to find a way to keep Tommy DeVito upright. And you brought up Eric Dungy. He does not have the improvisational skills that ta- that uh. That Eric Dungy has. So you've got to be able to keep him upright, you've got to keep a clean pocket, and you've got to let him go to work. All right, and the final number, the big number, Syracuse will have to score over how many points to win the game? So, I'll say over 31. 31 is your number. Okay. See, here's the funny thing. Sure. Here's the funny (laughs) thing. In the Dino Babers era, the magic number has been 24. Right in the Dino Babers era, the magic number has been 24. They scored 24 points uh, against Liberty. They won the game. Yes, the defense was great. They didn't score 24 points last uh, last week. Yes, the defense was terrible. They lost the game. Um, we saw that last year as well. When they scored 24 points or more, they ended up winning. When they didn't, they ended up losing. Although um, in the Clemson game last year, they scored 24 they and got lost. To, they got to 24 and they lost. Right. Um, but but again, the the Notre Dame game was the other loss. They didn't get to 24. Uh, the Pittsburgh game, uh, they they were right around there. The the offense uh, struggled to get going. I think the Pittsburgh game was the one that broke the rule actually. Yeah, they got the 37 because of overtime. Uh, but that's kind of been the magic number is is 24. When they were going 4-8, and eight, um, they scored 50 against Central uh, Connecticut, uh, 41 against uh, Central Michigan, 27 and uh, 27 against Pittsburgh and, and Clemson uh, in that 4-8 and eight season. That, that for whatever reason, that's the magic number, right? Get above 24 points uh, and they tend to win. So I'll I'll stick with that same number and and I know that the defense isn't doing very well but when when Syracuse fall under Dino Babers has scored 25 points or more they've only lost once. If they scored 62 last week they were going to lose. <laughs> I no I know I know and and again I realize that like they they lost the the one they lost is because the defense allowed 44 points. Like if you're losing games that you're allowing that many points it doesn't matter. Um and there are plenty of games they they lost to Clemson 54 to nothing. They would have lost that game if they'd scored four touchdowns. Um but for whatever reason there's a magic number that when Syracuse in Syracuse's win they're always above 25 points. Um, so I'll set the line at 27. I've been saying all week that this game is going to be played at least in the 30s, so I, I have to. I, that's why I went minimum of 31. But uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of points are going to be scored in this game, it, or it, certainly by Clemson. I think Syracuse is going to have to score a lot of points to keep up. So you you don't think that the, this can't be a shootout and Syracuse win the game? Is what I saw with all, or with all these numbers? That's my they're not scoring sixty three points. Can't out, they can't I, I win a shootout. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think they're getting a forty against this Clemson right, defense. Even, it just has to be like forty is a shootout, but you don't even think it can get that high. I don't think so. Okay. I think I think it's got to be played in the thirties. I think you got to hope for you know thirty one twenty eight. Or I mean, again, that's asking a lot to keep it this is. offense to twenty seven twenty four has been the last two matchups, but it swung twenty seven twenty three last year. Okay, but yeah, but you're right. right. I mean, right in that ballpark. Sure. I think if Syracuse gets to thirty, they've got a fighter's chance. We got to wrap up the show right after this on ESPN Radio.